What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. You. Thanks so much for listening to the show. This podcast is sponsored by Made to Move Physical Therapy, and we believe that movement is medicine. If you have been dealing with pain that's preventing you from doing what you love, and if you're looking for a healthcare provider to help you meet your goals, then go to madetomovept.com slash contact us. That two is the number two. Fill out the form and reference the Healthy Charleston podcast. Listeners get 10% off their first session. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. This is your host, Hannah Briel. And on today's episode, I'm talking with Maggie Tolucci, co-founder and director of Iron Wolf Recovery, which serves to provide a supportive, all-inclusive fitness community brought together by the desire to stay alcohol-free and free from illicit and non-prescribed substances. So their classes are free. They're open to anyone with 48 hours of continuous abstinence and anyone who has an honest desire to live a lifestyle of wellness. And Maggie and I really talk and dive into what wellness looks like. So you can literally just show up. They currently have a class at CrossFit Foxton in Somerville on Sunday mornings and a yoga class downtown on Thursday evenings. I'll put all of that information in the show notes. They're also hosting a tennis tournament fundraiser on April 23rd. You can find that information in the show notes if you're looking to be involved. And in this episode, Maggie shares her recovery story with me, and we talk about what recovery really looks like and the importance of community and wellness and recovery. So thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I'm super excited. Today in the house, we have Maggie Tolucci, co-founder and director of Iron Wolf Recovery. Welcome, Maggie. Thanks for having me. Yes, I've heard so much about, obviously, I know you pretty well, but I'm looking forward to learn more about Iron Wolf, your story, and also where Iron Wolf is at these days and what y'all are doing. Okay. Can you start by just telling us and our, our listeners, what is Iron Wolf? So Iron Wolf is a sober fitness community and ultimately we combine a mutual aid group followed by some sort of movement so we have a yoga class right now and we call the other class crossfit but it's really more boot campy you know we have to be um accessible to all levels um so the idea is to get talking about a wellness topic of some sort and then take that to whatever movement we have next Um, In my own journey, that's been really, really important for processing and just walking through uh, different mental health, like anxiety, for example, is a big one for me. Um, So we really believe in the power of movement and in the grand scheme of healing. 
So a wellness activity or like some sort of wellness always paired with movement. Always. Yeah. What does the wellness side of that look like? So it depends. So um, we typically have somebody from the community, one of our members, will lead the meeting and it's an all recovery meeting. So that basically just means, you know, you can introduce yourself as whatever you want, you know, alcoholic, addict. I say I'm a person in long-term recovery, you know, eating disorder recovery, whatever. Um, and then whoever's facilitating the meeting will throw out a wellness topic. Mm -hmm. And so that could be anything, um, from, from the 12 step community. So it could be something like from the big book, which is Mm -hmm. some literature from the 12 step community. Um, it could be something like resentments, you know, how have we walked through resentments and not picked up a drink or a drug to cope? Um, one woman was talking about mindfulness the other week. So it really varies. Mm -hmm. It's just... The idea is to get folks talking about tools in their toolbox um, and really to keep the keep it solution focused. Like we can sit there and we can talk about our problems, Mm -hmm. but then it's like, okay, we have X amount of time to talk about our problems and then we need to immediately get into the solution because if we stay in the problem, then we stay in victim mentality and then we stay in this sick cycle and we're just not, we're not getting anywhere. So Um, you're really trying to enforce action. Yeah. Yeah. Uncomfortable action. Oh, it's a lot of times. Yeah. so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably way more comfortable to sit there and to vent and to complain and to talk about the the wrong. I think it's like the easiest thing to do. I personally love doing it, but that it makes you feel better, right? Not <laughs> what I mean. That's helpful to a degree, but then, like you said, like making sure you also have enough time to find solutions. And that's just it. And I think a lot of times the solutions are like so you know, it might momentarily make you feel better to complain and talk about, Mm. you know, how everybody's wronged you or whatever. Um, That momentarily feels really good. But long term, that's not beneficial. What's beneficial is seeing, well, what was my part in that? Like, what did that kick up for me? What, you know, what stories am I telling myself that are like changing Mm. this situation? And that is really hard stuff. It's not fun, but we got to do it to stay well. And that. It, and it, believe it or not, it's easier. It's easy to do in this group to um, to get into the solution mm. because so many of us like that's how we're alive today is by living the solution, being mm. part of the greater solution to the problem with drugs and alcohol. Mm. What is the greater solution? I wish I knew, I but they're just but, an answer. One answer. So that? no, I don't think so. But I think that all, at least all I can do, I can't speak for anybody else, but all I can do is to continue to show up to life, mm-hmm. like actually show up to life, not medicated, um, and continue to try to be love and put love and good into the world, and um, get really honest with myself. I think that honesty is at the root of recovery and, you know, some of us are incapable of that and and that's why recovery is difficult. Um, But, you know, there are so many ways to get well and I think that folks just aren't always aware of what Mm -hmm. resources are out there or... um, What wellness is. Yeah, because it is so much, for me anyway, it's been so much more than just like putting down the drugs. Mm. I have had to do therapy. I have had to, you know, make sure that I'm moving. Uh, meditation is a huge part. My spiritual practice is huge. Um, you know, having a, a community of women that can, you know, call me on my nonsense and even men too, you know, in, um, in the fitness world, you know, I have 
lots of, of male and female friends that maybe they're not necessarily in recovery, but they're able to call me mm-hmm. on my stuff and <laughs> hold me True accountable. Yeah. yeah. So um, there's no one solution, but I think if folks are able to come to a place, feel safe mm-hmm. um, to show up as they are that day, then they're more um, apt to go forward and look for what's going to work for them. So how long has Iron Wolf been around? So we uh, we created the organization, um, Courtney and I created it in 2019, but we mm. did not start classes until late 2020. Mm. Um, Good timing there. Awesome timing, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so, and our first class was offered out of Locomotion Fitness. So yeah. Jay has been a huge cheerleader for the organization. And um, with the, you know, the gym shutdowns and the, you know, loco, they, they had moved locations and all of that. The, the park circle class just didn't make it. Um, but that's where we started. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up taking a class to CrossFit Foxton. Mm-hmm. And so we have a Sunday class um, out of Foxton and that is a really solid group. It's like 15 people, Mm -hmm. um, at least each week. I mean, there's probably 45 that circulate through, um, but you know, a 15 person class. Um, and then we have a yoga class, which is downtown Mm -hmm. and that's, um, Thursday nights from six 30 to eight. And that is a smaller group, but it is a really, really Mm -hmm. good meeting because it's much more intimate. Yeah. Um, just has that, like that feel yoga kind of like sets the tone for that. Yes. And it's at night. It's at night, which is, it creates a whole different vibe. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like that you have both. Yeah. Across all spectrum. So how was Iron Wolf created and, and also why I definitely want to get into the story there and why and how has it grown and shifted over the past one year? Is it 2022? Right. Yes. So three, two, three years. Um, well, it's shifted a lot. I mean, certainly building this through a pandemic has been interesting. Um, and even, you know, but, but through the pandemic, it has become all the more clear how needed something mm-hmm. like this is. Um, folks have, uh, I mean, financial barriers are a real thing, Um, especially when, you know, we drink and drug our lives away. Like we don't have the money to to seek treatment oftentimes. And and so we want Iron Wolf to always be free. Um, Mm -hmm. It is a community service. But in any event, the um, the organization was created. Courtney has um, done work in the substance use disorder world. Um, and she is in eating disorder recovery. I'm a person in long-term substance use disorder recovery. And we actually met at the level one CrossFit level mm-hmm. one training and kind of had similar ideas and, and just ran with it. Um, and it, it certainly has, you know, grown and shifted. I mean, um, it, it's just been her and I running the mm-hmm. organization. And, and so, um, we're making some changes, um, lots of transition right now, but, but the hope is to get folks in, in different roles on our board that we can really start. Um, the idea would be to down the road, offer classes in various locations mm-hmm. all over the low country. Yeah. And to be honest with you, you know, all of the gyms have been really receptive, like finding space to mm-hmm. use has not been an issue. It's finding personnel mm-hmm. has, has been a bit of a challenge for us, but yeah. I'm not you know, we're going to keep on plugging along and and see Mm -hmm. what we can find. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So you and Courtney met, what, where was your L1? Um, It was at CrossFit North Charleston. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. thought So it was in 2019, 2019, I think. Mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
So they were like, you want to do this and you want to do this. Hey, Courtney, have you met Maggie? That's basically what they did. They and had us work out together at the end of the day. <laughs> you did Fran together? We d- Well, it wasn't Fran. It was okay. something awful, though. Yeah, and of course. Um, I was like, I just want to use an empty barbell. And she's like, me too. And I'm like, we're friends now. <laughs> Let's start a business together. <laughs> yeah. Let's start a nonprofit. Yeah. You know, and for both of us, and, and I'm not going to, I shouldn't speak for her, but but I, I do know that like in building an organization, there's so much personal growth that, oh, that comes yeah. from it, right? Like we're healing as well as trying to help others heal mm-hmm. too. So it's been a really... Um, you know, it's a really intimate relationship that you mm-hmm. have with with somebody that you start a business with, for sure. Yeah. In order to be, like, the best from a leadership, an employee, a personnel, like, to grow your business, you also need to grow yourself so much. So much. Every time yeah. I turn around, it's like, life is asking me to level up. And I'm like, oh, when yeah. can I take a nap? Yeah. <laughs> when can I just, like, plateau for yes. a while? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. So. Can you tell me more about your story and what led to you being passionate about this? Sure, sure. So I um, am originally from Baltimore, Maryland, upper middle class family, picture perfect childhood. Parents were, you know, high school sweethearts and like my dad. White picket fence, the whole uh, shebang. Well, my, I mean, my dad designed and actually like built the house that oh, wow. I grew up in. Yeah. Like you can't get much more wholesome sounding yeah. than this. <laughs> Um, I'm like, where we're starting, right? Yeah. But, yeah, and there was not any fighting or anything at home, but from a very young age, and I always share this when I tell my story, no matter where I'm sharing my story, because I think it's really powerful. Um, At a very young age, I had really severe anxiety, and so I went to um, therapy, psychoanalysis, and was medicated, and was put on benzos. Um, Oof, in, in first grade. Old? Oh my god! Now this was the late '80s, so I try to have okay. compassion, thinking yeah. like maybe they just didn't have experience with this, or just didn't exactly know what to do. But I'm, I'm sharing this not because I blame my addiction on that, but I think it's a really powerful lesson that I, or something that I learned at a young age, which was I, Maggie, am not okay. I need something external to be okay, mm. and. Um, you know, I still dealt with anxiety. I remember, you know, I hated taking the medicine at a young age, but, um, I still dealt with anxiety, but you know, I had a lot of friends luckily and, um, you know, made my way through elementary school and it was really middle school that I started experimenting and it was pretty, pretty clear right out the gate that, you know, um, drinking and and smoking pot like the the girls that I was hanging out with they were like okay you know we can do this once a year and we're fine but it was like something just shifted in me and I'm like oh no this is what I want to do like this is what I'm doing now and um you know stealing cars and it just bad (laughs) just bad stuff don't do this just like don't do this at home like just not not great and my parents so I and I had grown up in you know, having cocktail parties and, um, I was able to have wine with my parents at a very young age and both of my parents were heavy drinkers. And so at home, it's not that it was, my behavior wasn't necessarily condoned, but nobody really noticed it. Mm. Right. Um, and then when I hit high school, I, I didn't do very well in school, obviously, because I wasn't doing anything productive. Um, my mom sent me to a Catholic girls school. Oh, perfect. And I'm not Catholic. Oh, and, great. Like the nuns have my number right out the gate. They're like, mm, no. So I failed out of that. 
Oh, and, no. But there I had found a group of girls who were suiting up and showing up to get as messed up as possible. So the partying had gone to another yeah. level. Um, and it, it, yes, it had just gotten worse. So then I go back to the high school that I would have gone to before. And these were with kids that I had grown up with. Um, and then things, the harder drugs started coming into play. The, you know, the opium and the pills and the, the cocaine and the things like mm-hmm. that started coming into play. And so um, my group of friends there, you know, we showed up to school intoxicated. We, you know, continued to become more intoxicated after school. It was just all we did. And, you know, I try not to look back at that and think, gosh, those years were wasted because they weren't wasted. I'm the person that I am today mm-hmm. um, because of that, those experiences. But I became non-functioning for the first time at 21. Um, I had gotten into speed and or stimulants, you know, depending on what I could get my hands on. But um, it was really bad. Um, and, and I was drinking as well. So I became non-functioning, ended up in the hospital a couple of times with high blood pressure. And I just remember saying that, like, I don't know why I have high oh blood God. pressure. Well, maybe it's the copious amounts of speed you're taking, Maggie. Oh. Right? But in any event, um, my dad um, died suddenly at 22. And he and I were very, very close. And so I was already non-functioning, like, you know, uh, sleeping all day, partying all night. That's what I was going to ask. Like, what does that really mean? It non-functioning. went, uh, non-functioning would be, um, yeah, staying up all night and partying really hard and sleeping all day. Okay. And, you know, my family had funds, so yeah. not working and okay. all of that was not, um, fight from a financial standpoint was not an issue. Mm. Um, my dad was scuba diving and, um, he died uh, when I was 22 and I just, it, things went from bad to worse. I mean, I think I just spent years, you know, not, not living. I didn't leave the house very much. Um, I mean, I was too intoxicated most of the time to even drive. It was bad. It was really bad. And and my mom wasn't doing well either. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I then, um, Ended up, you know, meeting up with my now ex-husband. Uh, we had grown up together and, um, it, you know, just uh, partied very, very hard. And um, I became pregnant with my oldest. And this was in 2009. And so we, you know, decided to get married and, and do do that whole thing, mm-hmm. buy a house, you know. Um, and I sobered up during my pregnancy. And I convinced myself that I didn't have a problem because mm-hmm. people with a problem Wouldn't can't it. stop. Right. And, um, but it was during my pregnancy with, with Rocco that I started moving. I started walking. I started, I got an, an elliptical and I started moving. So looking back, I can see how movement has like, mm-hmm. it's snowballed for me, the importance of it. Um, But in any event, it was maybe a year after Rocco was born and and I was not, you know, partying or anything. I had maintained abstinence and um, slowly but surely began partying again. And um, prescription pills and alcohol were the the thing at that time, um, mostly because that was more socially acceptable than some of the other stuff that I was doing. Um, And then got pregnant with my youngest, Lila. And sobered up for that. And as soon as Lila Margaret was born, I was off to the races. I mean, opted for the second C-section because I knew that 
the medication that I would get and um, off to the races and and things went from bad to worse. Um, my ex-husband and I thought that we could move away from our addiction. So that's why I'm here in South Carolina oh. because we, we kind of went like this on and off. We're like, we're going to Charleston. That's where we're going. So yeah. um, I kid you not, we picked up and we moved the family here and he and I were separated within a year. Um, it was just really volatile at home and just, I mean, I was a hot mess. Um, I can't share his story, but, but things were just not great. Um, it was at that time that the hospitalizations, the overdoses had started too. So I was, you know, overdosing one to two times a month. Um, I mean, the hospitals knew me. Mm-hmm. Um, my last use was on May 7th, 2017, and that is my sobriety date. Um, and it was, I mean, at that point I had, I didn't care whether I lived or died. Like it was just, I couldn't figure out how to do this, um, recovery thing. At that point I had also admitted that I had a problem. Um, but it was a combination of, um, alcohol, uh, benzos and opiates. And, um, I got behind the wheel and I overdosed behind the wheel and the children were with their dad. Um, and I spent some time on life support. Mm. And I remember waking up in the hospital and opening my eyes and being like, this feels different. You know, there are tubes everywhere. There was a nurse over in the corner. I'm like, I definitely don't get the red carpet welcome when I come to this place. So I don't know what's don't know going what on. I deserve this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, I did though. I was such a victim, you know, in my own mind. And, um, I don't remember a whole lot, but I do remember learning, all in one sitting that I had lost my kids, lost my home, lost, totaled my vehicle. I didn't hurt anyone, Mm -hmm. thank God. Um, And that basically I could seek treatment and try to figure out how to do this life sober or I could go live under a bridge like everybody was just done. Yeah. Yeah. And that was hard. That was hard. Um, But... I found a treatment facility. I had to sell my house to go there. Ooh. But I found a treatment facility and but thank God I had a house to sell. Right. Like that's the that's the the beauty of recovery is being able to now look back. Cause at the time I was like, oh my gosh, I have to sell my house to do this. But now it's like, no, you had a house to sell to mm. actually go get help. Like that's awesome. So many people don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I went to a white bison treatment facility um, out in Heber City, Utah. And, um, that's basically a native American immersion. So I'm walking in the door and they're saging me. (laughs) Your energy is just not good, Maggie. And, and, um, you know, we did sweat lodges and participated in other native American, uh, ceremonies and, um, just lots of outdoors activities. Mm -hmm. And I think I walked around for two weeks crying and just, I mean, just really everything hit. My world had just shattered. But I was able to then start rebuilding. Mm. And, you know, I had therapy a couple times a week. Um, accountability, because, of course, in treatment, you know, residential treatment, they control everything that you do. But I needed that. Mm-hmm. And um, we had, we were able to get to the gym every morning. And I had worked out some here and there. Um, like, I had been introduced to CrossFit um, between having both children. Just couldn't stay sober and s- stick to it. So it was like 2009, 2010. And, and so um, we had a gym membership. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to start going to the gym again. And it's the only time that I felt relief 
was when I was doing something to get my heart rate up because the post-acute withdrawal, I mean, it's, so I was not in the danger zone anymore, but coming off of specifically the alcohol and the benzos, the alcohol and the benzos, um, I mean, those, that lasts for a long time. I couldn't write for a month because my hand shook so badly. Wow. So movement, yoga, Mm -hmm. or trying to run on the treadmill, um, you know, coming up with these little workouts that I Mm -hmm. remember doing, you know, a long time ago, like just getting my heart rate up and moving, hiking, kayaking, all of that stuff was the only time I felt relief. And it also helped me to kind of collect my thoughts because Mm. I was so, I mean, I obsessively concerned about my children and, you know, it was really hard to hear like Maggie, you're, you need to be away. Like they are better with you away Mm -hmm. right now seeking treatment as a mother. It was just, um, so in any event, we, I think we hiked like three times a week in treatment. Yeah. And then I decided that with the custody stuff that was going on, um, I mean, we were already going through a divorce, but you know, I had all these medical records, so like I didn't look too great. (laughs) So with the custody stuff going on, I'm like, you know what? I'm actually, I'm going to stay in Utah and I'm going to do intensive outpatient continue with my therapy, Mm -hmm. get a little part-time job, like learn how to interface with Mm -hmm. the world like a somewhat normal human being, like get a job and actually show up for said job. Things like that were all foreign to me and they're Mm -hmm. foreign to so many of us with long addiction histories. Um, so I did, so I, I did inpatient and then I did outpatient in conjunction with sober living. I got a job at a, a little local gym and just worked at the front desk and continued. I worked with a trainer there and just, um, just continued to move, continued to get my body healthy again because it, it was not healthy at all and, um, continued to turn to that whenever my anxiety would go up or I mm-hmm. have these ruminating thoughts, um, would continue to turn to that. So I moved back here. Um, in December of 2017 and it was a culture shock you know I I had adjusted to life out west and and I loved it and um, I had to go through all the phases to get my children back but I did Um, and it's it's been a journey but as soon as I came back I immediately went to uh, the Anvil which is now closed but CrossFit Somerville oh yeah and immediately started working out there Mm -hmm. um And that even though those folks weren't in recovery, like I found that you can find supportive community Mm -hmm. in anywhere you go, not anywhere you go, but so many different places that you go, right? Like they don't necessarily have to be in recovery to be your cheerleaders and help you, um, help hold you accountable and things like that. And so every morning at six o'clock I would go work out Mm -hmm. at the anvil and it was just, it was really good routine for me to have. And through the workouts, um, I was able to learn how to begin to push myself a little bit more because I didn't play sports growing up. I didn't mm-hmm. know like all of those wonderful lessons that we learn when we play sports that I see my children learning. Mm-hmm. I didn't that. learn until I was in my mid thirties. Yeah. You know, I, these lessons, I'm, you know, some of them I'm still learning there's now. There's so like, much more than physical. There's mental lessons. Yeah. And you learn more about yourself and your thoughts and where your brain goes when it gets yes. hard and what you do when it gets hard. It's, it really is. Like, I didn't play a ton of sports either. I'm a PT. That's funny. Um, but I really wish I would have 
had that or worked out or, or something from a really young age because yeah. like like you said the personal development there is just huge it's so big so important for all of us um and so I did and I turned to the gym every time things got difficult with mm-hmm. custody and walking through that I, I turned to the gym and I of course I had my you know 12 steps are a part of my story I did I did go through the steps I do still have a, a sponsor um but um in 2019, I was introduced to recovery advocacy hmm. in a group called Faces and Voices of Recovery. Uh, they're a national nonprofit, and I work for the Low Country Division. Uh, but we believe in recovering out loud, which is kind of what I'm. Well, it is what I'm doing yeah. here, you know, right now, sharing, sharing story. my story publicly. We believe in recovering out loud. We believe that people people can recover. They do recover and go on to lead productive wonderful lives and they can recover so many different ways, whether it be through 12 steps or, you know, you find it uh, and celebrate recovery or your own medication assistant, you know, there are so many different ways Mm -hmm. to recover and we think they're all just amazing. And so I got into recovery advocacy and, and helping with that organization. And I actually decided to step away from 12 step support groups because for me, reliving the trauma over and over and over again, uh, was actually uh, becoming incredibly detrimental. Mm. But a key part of recovery is helping others. Mm-hmm. And that is something that 12 Steps instilled in me. And it's I found it to be true. You know, I have to give it in order to keep it. And so I'm like, so how can I, because I'm helping people through the advocacy work, but how can I get face-to-face with folks mm-hmm. in a way that might be a little bit different than the norm, but it, I don't know, it helped me, you mm-hmm. know? I'm like, man, I'm going to combine, you know, fitness and recovery. Mm-hmm. And um, I've actually been able to, my daughter was, um, she did Olympic weightlifting, she did CrossFit, she did Olympic weightlifting. Um, I've been able to teach my children mm-hmm. these tools as well. My son, he's a football player and plays basketball. And, and so, um, you know, and I do have to say I've had custody back of my babies and they've gone from, you know, they've lived with me full time at times, you know, I get to be that strong, um, reliable, emotionally available mom today Mm -hmm. that I wasn't in active addiction. And, um, that has been powerful. And then teaching them these tools Mm -hmm. of, you know, how to stay well and, and finding what works for you is also like applicable to them too. Yeah. (laughs) These things apply to everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Not just those with addiction issues. And so, um, oh gosh, I lost my train of thought now. Um, oh, and so I met, <laughs> I don't remember. So Courtney and I, we met at the level one yeah. and, um, Iron Wolf was born Yeah, and we just, you know, one foot in front of the other. Um, the, you know, it's been really neat to combine, um, um, all the different things that I've learned in my recovery advocacy work and Iron Wolf and, um, just bring everything together. And, and a huge goal of mine is just to get all wellness mm. businesses, organizations communicating. Because I think that so often, you know, people don't know that, you know, for example, folks, you know, have an injury and they're prescribed an opiate mm. and then they become addicted to that and then it turns into heroin. But had they known that maybe you all were here or do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There were other ways to manage discomfort, yeah. um, meditation, mm-hmm. things like that. It's all just super important. Yeah. Just like bringing together the like health and wellness 
communities and businesses in a, in a different way than like people normally view us, but more of like, how can we come together and solve this issue together? Yeah. Because like you said, like being in recovery is so much more than just not being medicated. And I like what you said about like learning how to just interact with the world again as a sober person, because you had way more years of not being a sober person and interacting the world than the other way around. And so it was like this new, pretty daunting thing that you had to learn. Mm -hmm. And like, to an extent, like we're all learning, like it's not easy at all just to, you know, life and interacting (laughs) with life, like being a normal human. And then, but also like coming into it from this deficit, it's like you had to really build this strong foundation and these strong habits and these bricks over top of one another and create this like really resilient recovered person. Yes. And I think that that's been like more recently I had an epiphany in therapy and it was like, okay, so this core belief that, that I have, and you know, we all have them, but this core belief that I had of, I'm not good enough. Mm. Actually, mm, there's something underneath that. Oh, wait, what's underneath that? I haven't gotten that far yet. Perfectionism. Oh yeah. I'm not. (laughs) Okay. 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 So I just, it's like mind blown. And, um, I I love my counselor because she was very gentle with how she said it. And she's like, it's your perfectionism. And what is that, Maggie? That's your ego. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. So a big part of recovery for me has been learning to live with my ego because we need to have our ego in order to accomplish things and and move forward. But then it's like, now, wait a second. We don't want that to take over because then we stop doing things from a place of love. And that I, in meditation every morning, that's, I always pray just you know, please use me as a vessel. Please let me show up as love and make others, you know, feel comfortable, um, to show up the same way. And some days I'm better than others, Yeah, you know, um, we keep trying. It really is like you versus your ego, because like you said, like your ego, like perfectionism and anxiety has been so useful in so many ways to drive you to be productive, to, to drive you to have a high standard. But at some point, it crosses the line and it controls you for mm-hmm. the negative. And so like, you know, I'm learning a lot about that and how it can be very productive, but how to, how to control it and not let it control you. And like not to have to deal with the suffering that comes from when it does run your life. Right. So now what, like, how can someone become involved in Iron Wolf? How can someone become a member? And then do you have anything coming up soon where people can, either be involved as a member or, you know, donate, be personnel, fundraise, anything like that. Well, we're always seeking fundraising. Yeah. However, we do, um, we were talking about, um, outsiders and, and Luke and, um, he has been just a really big supporter. So we do have a tennis tournament coming up and that's Saturday, April 23rd. Um, that's at St. Andrew's Tennis Center. Uh, it's from 12 to 3 PM and we'll have raffle prizes and actually we are going to have recovery speakers, so oh, wow. we're going to be yeah. joining some different communities that day. Um, snacks, live music. Snacks. Snacks. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm there for the snacks. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's our, our next fundraiser. But for okay. folks who are in you know, eating disorder recovery, substance use disorder recovery, mental health recovery, you, know, you just show up. We ask that you do have 48 hours of um, abstinence. Um, that's just from like a safety standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just show up and we, of course we accept donations, but they're never required. Um, 
kind of circling back to the financial barriers, mm-hmm. I just, it, it breaks my heart to see so many folks who um, don't have access mm-hmm. to support and, and treatment. Yeah. Um, not that was, we're treatment, but we are yeah. support. There you go. Yeah. Well, it was still really challenging for you and you did have all that. You just, you had to sell your house, but like, what if you didn't have a house to sell? Right. Like, what do you do? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And it breaks my heart to see it. Because I don't think I, most people think about that being as big of a barrier. Um, or like, Oh, it shouldn't it be, isn't it free? Like, isn't everything you need to do free? But you, you had to create a new life. Like that's not free. No. no. And it's taken, you know, years of, you know, and as I stepped away from 12 step support groups, I then had to figure out, okay, where is my network? How am Mm. I, how am I surround setting myself up for success? Mm -hmm. You know, how am I going to, you know, the, the noise of just modern life can be deafening sometimes. So like, how am I like taking care of myself and making sure that Mm -hmm. all of those things, like that took a lot of work. And I think like, you know, folks that don't have the time or the space to, to figure that out, um, are really at a disadvantage. And so with Iron Wolf being mm-hmm. free and, um, I mean, all fitness levels can show up, you know, we're not doing anything crazy. Yeah. You know, no, muscle ups. <laughs> no, that. Yeah. no, I mean, most of the time we're just working on a squad. Just, hey, just an air squat, but that's yeah. great stuff, yeah. right? And getting our heart rates up and of course laughing, never taking mm-hmm. ourselves too seriously because, you know, life's too short to, to spend it, uh, intoxicated. And so trying to bring, bring fun into yeah. folks. So for anyone who is struggling or who is in recovery, what time is it on Sunday? On Sunday, it's from one to two thirty, and that's okay. at CrossFit Foxton. Okay. Um, They've also, Nate's been a huge cheerleader for us too. Um, and then we have a yoga class and that's on Thursdays from 6.30 to 8. And that is at a community center downtown. It's actually on the mm-hmm. other side of the cigar factory. Oh, yeah. Um, and you can just show up. You can, you just show up. Just you show just up. show up and yeah, just join us. We yeah. just, yeah. Awesome. Maggie, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story. Yay. I love how you've, how you've. You can clearly see, like, as you're telling your story, where movement comes in. Yes. And then have that such, that's been such a big cornerstone for you and, like, how you're, you're spreading that to others. And it's, like, mind-blowing. Like, how is this, how have other people not thought to put those two together? Like, so they have. I can't take, I can't, we can't take it. But the way that we're doing it is different than, than other organizations have done it. And yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand why more treatment facilities aren't like, hey, hey you work out. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, okay, you're anxious. Okay, let's let's move. Let's yeah. go move. Let's go for a like jog. The natural thing that our body has the yeah. ability to do. We just, we forget about it sometimes. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much yes, for Yes, thank me. you so much, Maggie. Yay. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram, find us at Healthy Charleston, leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.